is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering four conversations from episode 57, our introduction to the Liver Forum with Executive Director Veronica Miller and our longtime friend, Manal Abdul-Malik, plus Marvold, a conversation from season two, episode 50. The webpage from season two that was viewed most often in the last three months by our listeners and downloaders. The first part of this conversation focuses on Manal Abdul-Malik's and Jorn Schottenberg's experiences with the Liver Forum. Manal recalls the days before Liver Forum when the industry began to explore creating Nash drugs, only to find no roadmaps for trial design, endpoints, or other standard issues. That was the moment for the Liver Forum to bring people together to explore issues, share ideas, and move towards collaborative solutions that the entire range of stakeholders could support. Jorn describes his first Liver Forum meeting, which he thoroughly enjoyed and found valuable, and that eventually led to his joining the steering committee. The rest of the conversation centers around a couple of questions for me. The first about why the group chose the word forum to describe itself, and the second about what project Verona is working on now. The answer to the second question starts with Veronica discussing the goal of developing research tools and metrics that can capture the richness available on NASH study data as compared to biopsy, which she describes as a, and I quote, very blunt tool, end of quote. She notes that the COVID pandemic increased the challenges of conducting trials and developing data, and as the conversation ends, starts to introduce the Placebo Arms Database Project. It was fantastic to allow some of you who sit on the outside to learn a little bit about the liver form. Certainly fantastic for me. As I note to Veronica Miller at the end of the episode, I'd love to repeat this process every three or four months. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn. And when you're done, join the conversation on our LinkedIn discussion group. Turn to Yorn and Manal and ask, were you were you familiar at that point in time, even before the forum came to Fatty Liver? And if so, how or what impressions did you have back then and at that moment? Manal Abdel Malik. I recall those days. It, the field was challenged with trying to understand the pathogenesis and many small, either investigator-initiated studies or smaller early phase trials starting up and the lack of any regulatory path for Naffold and Nash. You know, it was clear that a regulatory path was needed because the first drug, you know, vitamin E and, and pioglitazone lent resolution of NASH, but nobody exactly knew, especially after industry literally jumped into an arena where there was a lot of people standing back and watching and decided, my goodness, there's opportunity here. There's opportunity to develop new therapies that actually can resolve steatohepatitis and maybe improve fibrosis. And it was a huge wake-up call because we had no roadmap. We had no roadmap map on endpoints. We had no roadmap on trial design. We had no roadmap on comparative thresholds for assessing drug efficacy. Clearly, there needed to be a safe space, if you will, for deliberation, academic and industry exchange, setting priorities and agendas, and doing so with breaking down barriers that needed to come down so that regulators can engage with with the industry and engage with the investigators and the scientists and also engaged with societal stakeholders as we had the right guidelines around new diseases. And so the liver forum was incremental in, in creating one of the first platforms by which to do that. And I remember being there and it almost felt like really what good science should be all about. Cross-pollination of ideas, of bringing people together who are uniquely different, think different, have different agendas, different priorities, and different ways of creatively looking at the same problem and cross-nourishing them in a manner where they had to collaborate 
collaborate together, literally, and to do great things. We almost stopped taking the tiny little baby steps where everybody was working in their own silo to strategizing together as a community of stakeholders interested around a disease, which is a great area of need, had a, a huge gap on many different fronts, and making together incremental steps that were broader and bigger than any one entity can do alone. And it was really a very engaging first meeting, and clearly I've been part of this uh, forum ever since and have been the both recipient of the engagement and had an opportunity to participate in the process, which was really very fulfilling. Jörn Schattenberg. Yeah, I think I, I have a little bit different perspective. I, I can't remember the first days. Nobody invited me to join an FDA-ASLD meeting. So coming from a total different perspective, I was active in NASH and uh, was running my animal models in the lab and, and looking at patients. And then whenever I visited the ASLD, I realized there was some activities surrounding the conference. And then I'm not sure how I finally got my hands on the program, but it might have been through Detlef Schupan who said, you know, you got to... It was Detlef Schupan. <laughs> it was Detlef Schupan. He said, yeah, you're and he should be here. Yeah, he, he kind of tacked me along and it was a free beer. No, it was a great program in just looking at the speakers. And the memorable thing for me was that it's not only an expert like Arun speaking or Manal presenting. It, it was a regulator that was, it was industry there. And these guys, I normally didn't, they didn't come up to me and approach me about my research. So I thought that was as a young investigator growing into the field was an, a unique opportunity to exchange and engage. And I really liked the presentations too. So that was just uh, very exciting. And then Veronica asked me to join the steering committee you know, a year ago. Of course, that was something I'd happily accepted. So that's great. So Veronica, the only question I had had for you about early days, although I think Manal kind of touched on it, is you could use lots of different nouns to describe an organization like this. And it's interesting that you chose forum or that whoever chose forum chose forum. What was the thinking behind that exactly? And were there other names that you're aware of that were considered that might not have been used and why not? Veronica Miller. Very interesting question. And when the Forum for Collaborative HIV Research was established, it was based on a recommendation from Al Gore at the White House, who had met with all the different parties individually and said, OK, we need to find a way to bring them all together to really catalyze the research and, and facilitate better research in HIV, because it was such a huge problem that neither the government nor the researchers nor industry could, could really solve it on their own. There were too many really important and emergency type questions that needed to be asked. So there was a series of Keystone Dialogue meetings. The result of that was that the Forum for Collaborative HIV Research was established. So who came up with the word forum? I don't know. But I like the word forum because I think of it as when you think about Roman times and Greek times, there would be a forum and it's where people come to and then leave, right? And there's roads. It's sort of like where everybody comes together and the center of town or at the marketplace. And there's roads coming in and there's roads coming out. And some people might pass through, some people might come in and then go out back, back the same way. But it's at that moment of the meeting that something happens, something that wouldn't have happened if those people weren't all in that same space at the same time. And everyone then goes back. I mean, Manal has her career now at the Mayo Clinic and engages in that. And so does Jorn and our patients uh, do their patient organization 
radiation stuff and pharmaceutical companies continue with their clinical research development and do their marketing strategies, et cetera. But at the moment that they're all in the same space, something else happens. But the roads come in and the roads go out. And that's how I think of a forum as it relates to, you know, the ancient times and modern times. That's a great answer. And it sounded quite like what Manal depicted to kind of paint in the first place, although in greater detail. So, fantastic. So now let's step into what are you working on today? The path within NASH and where are we today and what's of interest? Right. So what's so challenging in NASH is that the amount of evidence needed to change the paradigm is may seem insurmountable. Many of us think we already have a sufficient evidence. And when I talk to the paradigm shift, it's really going from this very invasive, imprecise, very blunt tool called a liver biopsy read by a pathologist or two that tells you whether you have NASH and it has a very blunt scale from zero to four, for example, for fibrosis. And there's not much you can do with that to being much more precise, being much more dynamic, being able to see does marker A change? Does marker A predict disease progression? If marker A goes up, is the disease progression going to be faster? If marker A goes down, is disease progression going to be slower? There's no way we have that dynamic range to even think about that kind of an approach now. And of course, it's a lot easier when you have a pathogen like HCV or HIV. But this is basically where the field needs to go. And it's sort of like we're back in the dark ages with what I call a piece of liver that gets taken out of someone and a very blunt instrument of reading it to when we see all of the amazing, amazing arrays of transcriptomics and all the different omics and the association of 30 or 40 different biomarkers and how they change within one patient. There's just so much richness there. And how can we get a handle on that to really say, we need to really get so much more sophisticated than this very blunt tool that we're using now. So that is one of our major aims. A lot of what we do is when people say we're not agreed on a definition, etc., we then do case definitions. We've had several papers on that. But I think everyone now agrees that the biggest question is exactly this. How do we have this paradigm shift the way we had in HIV when virus load was accepted as a surrogate, the way we did in HCV when we said the old standard of care is not scientifically appropriate for DAA development? That is what we need to change. And it's challenging. And I think especially we haven't yet mentioned the C word, but certainly COVID. COVID made things difficult over the last years. First of all, our regulatory colleagues were very, very occupied, even if they weren't in infectious diseases. It's, it just sort of changed everything. There was a lot of disconnect happening, this connection of people talking. We weren't able to meet in person. And I'm talking about conferences and all these different venues. So I think coming out of this COVID haze, we now really have this huge opportunities in front of us about how do we take the data that's being generated that is of huge quantities and really distill it down into something that says, yeah, this is what we can use to diagnose the disease, to predict treatment response, to predict prognosis, and to really show that this really is a true predictor of disease outcome, the clinical endpoint that we're currently married to. So that's really what we're trying to do. And we're approaching this in different ways. One of them is through data collaboration, and that includes a project where we are gathering all the placebo arms from trials that have already been finished. And Manal, thank you for your role in that project as co-chair of that working group. So I think the placebo arm project 
project will really help us look at sufficient number of patients not on treatment, but selected, you know, meeting the inclusion criteria of entering a NASH clinical trial and really get a better handle as to what predicts stability of disease versus progression versus improvement. That will be extremely important because it's that dynamic of the placebo arm that kind of confounds everybody and and frustrates everybody because not everybody on the placebo arm gets worse. Some of them get better and some of them stay stable. And that really, the little treatment effect that we are going to see then gets completely blurred by this placebo up and down. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week, possibly with a preview episode for Nashtag, possibly with something else. We'll announce that later in the week. Until then, stay safe, surf on, and we'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.